Welcome to the Greg Medford Show. I'm Greg, live from Phoenix, Arizona, from our uh, little corner of my world, little corner of our world. I was kind of quiet yesterday. I got all my uh, all my friends, acquaintances, veteran friends, Marines. You know, uh, the whole all of America gets Veterans Day, and the Marine Corps gets the Marine Corps birthday, and you know, it seems cheap and pitiful to people who don't get it. But for those of us who were there, it's, uh, I don't know, kind of cool having a day for something you were a part of. And I think about all the guys that I knew. I think about them as we get older. You know, we think about the people we knew that are gone. Think about the adventures we went on. So I have a special me- special message today, and it's not what you expect. I uh, I pretty much, I hate it when people thank, thank me for my service. It embarrasses me. And I know when I talk to a lot of veterans, like, I don't give a shit about anybody thanking me. Don't fucking thank me. Thank you for your service. I don't want to be thanked. I'm going to tell you a couple stories today. I'm going to tell you a couple anecdotes. And I'm going to tell you something funny that happened. And then, uh, I don't know, we'll see, we'll see where this takes us. And we're going to end on a little Shakespeare today. Because uh, our, uh, our, the great writers from the lexicon of human thought, Western civilization, said a long time ago profound things. And we, uh, we chew on those sentences from time to time, but to put them in context. All right, so Jason, that's why I wanted you to ask live so that you could bring her sometime. Not yet, sorry. Not now. We're working on it, folks. It's an unscripted show. So uh, I want to give thanks today, and I think we should all give thanks. And I want to talk to you veterans for a minute. And this is weird because whenever we talk to veterans, we leave everybody else out, and it's almost always the reverse for me because I'm kind of a contrarian. I think all of you veterans who are out there, I think we need to give thanks to our citizens who paid the taxes that paid our wage to go on our grand adventure. I want to give thanks to the girlfriends, to the wives, to the children, to the siblings who said goodbye to a sibling and the parents who sent us off. We should say thanks to all of them because we just went and did our adventure and some people gave all. Now, I never saw any... I, 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 don't know, I never saw any heroism. I just saw people doing their job. I don't... Maybe it's a little bit because I'm a skeptic. Maybe I'm a little jaded. But I think about veterans... The vast majority of whom have never carried a rifle and fired around in hostility towards anyone. So, enough already. And I appreciate the country feeling like it collectively has to thank us. Thank veterans. But personally, I think it's hollow 
having one day where we thank people who offered all up onto the mantle of freedom. That's it. We should be thinking about our veterans every day, and here's how I want you to think about them. Here's what I would suggest. If you want to do something for veterans, I'm going to give you a couple of opportunities, a couple of opportunities to see a different perspective today. Opportunity number one, if you know veterans in your life, we have a tendency to be a little gruff. We have a tendency to be a little foul-mouthed. We have a tendency to be a little hostile towards dumbness. We have a tendency to have gallows humor. We have a tendency to be insufferable to everybody around us, oftentimes. I find the further down the food chain you go, the further you get away from generals and intel and all of the smart people of the military, and you work your way down to ground-pounding grunts, if you ever carried a rifle or a machine gun or fired a weapon in hostile, uh, in, in, in hostile lands, imposing your nation's will. Generally, I find the people who end up there, we're kind of cranky right to begin with. I was kind of cranky before I was an infantryman. It's how I ended up there. Now, I calculated to get there. I thought it was a stepping stone to go be a fighter pilot, and I didn't want to miss out on the only war it would probably happen. So I wanted to get deployed. Most of us go off with childhood um, ambition, we childish ambition. We go off on a spirit of adventure. We go off sometimes to escape. A lot of people join the military to escape. They're escaping their present situation they don't see an answer out of. All you got to go down, go to a little strip mall, sign on the line for the guy in a funny little outfit, boom, you're gone. Most of us, most people were escaping, getting away. There are very few 17 and 18-year-old youngsters who are signing for some noble cause to serve their nation. Now, I was called for some reason. I thought going in the military was, I didn't think about it as noble. I just wanted to do something good for my country, and it would be a great adventure. A great adventure. If it wasn't going to be an adventure, I wouldn't have done it. Because there's other ways that are super boring to serve your country, I suppose. I didn't even consider any of those. And I didn't go into Motor T, and I didn't, you know, I, I scored a 99 on the ASVAB. I could have done anything I wanted. I wanted to do that. Like, ah, we, we need to get you an OSO, officer selection officer. What do you want? Blah, blah. I could have done anything I wanted in the Marine Corps, or I could have gone in the Air Force or the Navy or the Army. I went in the Marine Corps. And I ended up choosing going, and they were like, infantry? What, what, what the hell? So, I think veterans, we need to offer a thanks to everybody for putting up with us because we're useful for a very short period of time and then the rest of the time, you all have to put up with us. And then those of you who are veterans, um, some of you guys are your careerists. You guys who are your careerists, you know, kind of do a whole career in the military and then the military is in, in it, a big part of your life even after you retire and the military is taking care of you. You know, my hat's off to you. I wasn't ever an institutionalist. I couldn't do it. I have a love-hate affair with the Marine Corps. I hated being in because it was an efficient, god-awful waste of time, and the people who were running things, to me, seemed like morons. I was just a kid, though. What do I know? I just couldn't take it. I got out as fast as I possibly could. Four years, and I was, I was, I was, uh, my half-life was past. So I wanted to, I think... 
as we as I talk to you veterans and those of you who aren't veterans who are sitting watching this, everybody knows some insufferable veteran, some veteran who 80 stickers on the back. We feel more emboldened to tell you our political opinions. We feel like we've earned the right to tell you what we think about this person or that person or this thing or that thing. And we're insufferable. So thank you for putting up with us. That's what I say on Veterans Day. To you veterans out there who feel entitled, the new entitled class of veterans, I say, for all you youngsters, you volunteered. You got paid. And our nation has spent billions of dollars making sure we had helicopters and speedy things to save your lives. For those of you who lost countrymen, our condolences, of course. But on this Veterans Day, I like to thank people for all the, the money that flowed. I like to thank people who paid their taxes. I like to thank the parents who put up with our dumbass kid decisions that put us in a war in the first place. I did. I took a year of life off my mom and dad when I chose to go on a deployment. We got paid for most of us to have, for most of us, what was our great life adventure. And most everybody came back. I think it's more dangerous to be in, live in certain neighborhoods in Chicago than it was to be in Afghanistan or in Iraq. So I want to tell you about, I want to tell you a quick story. And then I'm going to tell you a, a current, it's an older story. And then I'm going to tell you a follow-up to it. And then I'm going to read you something. I'm going to read it two times. One is for those of you who aren't all Shakespeare spooled up. I'm going to go through and read it with some explanation. And then I'm going to just read it. And I'll see if I can do it without crying. Let me get a sip out of here. I find as I get older, I'm more nostalgic about the time, the brief time I was in the military, I'm more sentimental about the country. I'm sentimental about the young people who go off with bright eyes. And uh, I, for the very first time in my life, heard a Roy Orbison song the other day called There Won't Be Many Coming Home. He must have written it during the Vietnam War. Had a little bit of a harken back to maybe the Civil War. And I listened to it and I was like, oh, I must wreck my car. So, uh, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago, it was while the wars were going on. It might have been 18 years ago. I can't remember how long ago it was. I was, uh, I had a few martial arts schools. I was, I was teaching, uh, martial arts every day. And, uh, I wasn't a broke dick, but I wasn't rolling in it. I drove a Chevy Silverado pickup truck. I went down to the discount tire. I went in to buy my tires, and I had an air show shirt on. And the lady behind me, I was standing in line, and as I was standing in line, the lady behind me taps me on the shoulder. Excuse me, sir. Are you a veteran? Yes. Oh, what'd you do? I said, oh, I was a machine gunner in the Marine Corps. She said, oh. she said, thank you so much for your service. And she reaches in her purse, and she pulls out a little tiny business card with an American flag on it. And it says, thank you for your service. And it's got a prayer on the back. And I thanked her, and I've, it's always rankled me getting thanked. I'm embarrassed being thanked for it because I would do it again tomorrow for free. I would have done it then for free. I asked to go. I didn't have to go. I volunteered for it. I was happy. There's a safe in college. I didn't have to go anywhere. So I 
go up. I have the discussion. They put new tires on my truck. I come back to pay a couple hours later. I say, hey, I'm here for the white silver. Oh, yeah, Mr. Medford, your car's right over, truck's right over here. I said, uh, I said, great. The manager gave me the walk around and handed me my keys. And I go, okay, great, thanks. And I walk back inside, walk up to the counter. He says, Mr. Redford, can I help you? I said, yeah, I'm here to pay. I haven't paid yet. Oh, no, you're good. I go, no, I didn't pay when I came, and I haven't paid yet. I got to pay. Now, veterans, were stubborn, too. So thank you, everyone else, for putting up with us. We're pains in the ass. <laughs> he said, well, uh, no, you're, you're taking I said, I haven't paid yet, man. Let me pay. And I, I think it was, it was some years back. He was either 350 or 530. I can't remember now. And I and he said, well, well, your tires have been taken care of. And I said, who paid for my tires? Tell me that. And he said, well, I can't say. And I go, and I, at that point, I'm like, okay, wait a minute. I'm getting ready to start, you know, chucking a knuckle here. I need to pay for my tires. You're saying someone paid for my tires. He said, well, it was a lady behind you in the line. I said, would you please give me your name? He goes, well, we can't do that. I go, and I, and so I was just out at my Warbird airplane, which I owned for fun working on a radial engine i had been flying i ran my truck over to get some tires put it on and i was headed into the karate school to teach for the evening i had an airplane i owned a house and i had a little business i wasn't a broke dick i wasn't rolling in it but i wasn't a broke dick i was so damn embarrassed about it i took the amount i put it in an email to all my friends i said hey you guys i told them this i told everyone the story and i said here's what i'm going to do i'm going to take the money that she uh, paid for my tires that I would pay for the tires and I can't remember if I just did the same money or doubled it and I said I'm going to send that money and I called around because I had friends who were missing arms and legs from Iraq and Afghanistan and I asked them where they had gotten their best help and they said out at the Balboa Hospital in San Diego out at Balboa they had been in, uh, worked with the Semper Fi Fund the people from the Semper Fi, Semper Fi Fund and the Semper Fi Fund was doing heavy work for grievously wounded guys and their families. And it was 100 pennies out of every dollar went towards Marines. It wasn't a percentage, like 76 cents, and it had uh, 24 cents for admin. Every penny went. It was volunteers working uh, for no pay to do this. And I had talked to a, another Marine. He'd said, oh, yeah, the guys, the, the folks from Semper Fi Fund have really helped his family out. And I said, okay, done. Well, I'm going to give the money to them. So I send this chain mail around to everybody. And uh, everyone sent in money totaling about, I said, hey, I'm doing this. I'd love for you guys to participate. It was such a cool thing. Let's pay it forward if you're interested. And next thing you know, it was almost $30,000 everybody sent to me. I put it all in an envelope. I send it off to the uh, December 5 fund. Now, in typical Marine Corps fashion, nobody got a thank you. Nobody got a little note saying, hey, thanks for the money. They took the money. They cashed the money, but nobody said a word to us, which is fine. We didn't do that. We just, I just thought it was funny. You give 30 grand in the Marine Corps, and they're like, and they just turn around and walk away. Now, we were happy to do it because they spent the money so well, and I'm sure it was an admin oversight, and I don't need a goddamn plaque for my wall. But I wanted to tell you about that because my friends ask me all the time, what can I do for veterans? Well, you know what? Veterans commit suicide. We're prickly right from fucking day one. We drink too much. We swear too much. We're uh, rough on the people around us. And uh, at some point, a lot of those people stiff arm us. A lot of us end up feeling alone even when we're not alone. We're, we're lonely in a room sometimes. Full of people. Feel completely alone. With this disbelieving, sardonic look on our face. Especially... The further down the food chain you go towards guys who've actually 
fired weapons and hostility. There's a whole bunch of veterans out there who are all part of the order of veterans, and that's fine. And I don't connect with, I mean, I do connect with them, but I don't connect with them as much as I do with guys who had dirt on their boots and, and blood on their hands. I just connect with them because those are my people. So there's, in every group, I've been around, um, I've been standing around with a half a dozen amputees. And if you're with a guy who's got two above-the-knee amputee amputations standing on two prosthetics and a guy walks up who has one leg missing, the guy with two legs missing calls the guy with one leg missing a pussy. And if um, there's, and this is, I've watched this happen, so this is not hyperbole, it's kind of funny. I was standing around with uh, two of my friends who were double amputees early on when I started the knife company. And uh, another guy who was in a chair and another guy who was missing a leg and a dude walked up, looked completely normal. He said, oh, yeah, he says, I, I lost my right leg. And they all were very skeptical, like veterans and like uh, soldiers are. And they said, yeah, below the knee, right? And he pulled up his pant and he lost his leg about mid-calf. And they, they almost laughed the guy out of the circle and told him he was a pussy. <laughs> It was fantastic. They were like, oh, that's not a real everyday. I mean, I think about the idea of losing my foot, and I'm like, oh, it gives me heart palpitations. Well, if you've got both your legs missing above the knee, having your leg missing from mid-calf down apparently is a no-brainer. So there's a little thing about all this. There's a hierarchy of veterans, okay? Just like fighter pilots, there's a hierarchy amongst pilots. And then when pilots get around ground pounders, there's a hierarchy. We're the lowest ranking, lowest of low in the military. But in a veteran circle, the guy who is a trigger puller is the most revered of the circle. I don't care if a dude's a fucking general. I've sat at a, at a table with numerous generals. And uh, a guy leans, leans towards me who's got a couple stars on his collar. And he says, and everybody was a military officer except for me. I'm sitting there and he says, uh, sir, can you tell me about you tell me about yourself? And I start. He's, he he found out I was in the Marine Corps. I was the only Marine at the table, and he goes, "Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense." And 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 then he asked my rank, and I said I was an E three. I was a I was a Lance Corporal, and he asked what I did, and I told him what he did, and uh, he said, "Well, Jesus, no wonder you think you outrank all of us." It was fantastic. I was an E three. For those of you who don't know, it's the lowest of low. You can't get much lower. And you're you're uh, on any given day as likely to be told to go into a, a hole and shoot a bad guy as you are to go clean a bathroom. They're of uh, equal stature in in uh, task priority. And I'm sitting with a table of generals, and they were all cracking up They're like, "Oh my god, the guy, a Marine Lance Corporal," and they, and they were joking how basically I outranked them. It was so funny nice bunch of gentlemen and of course they didn't actually outrank them but the humor was not lost on the moment you know everyone and none of them in the entire group had actually been in a kind of a door kicking gunfighter type position so there's a pecking order and I was at the very very bottom of the pecking order while I was in the military and afterwards I felt like I was at the top of the pecking order and I've hung out with guys from you know field grade officers and generals all the way down to guys who were lieutenants and I've always, uh, you know, you get this when they find out you're in the Marine Corps, they go, oh. and then when they find out you're in the infantry, they go, oh, and they find out you're a light machine gunner, they go, oh, and then, you know, they're almost uh, deferential to you. So this is pecking order, and it's in me also, 
So I have my veteran celebration yesterday every year on the Marine Corps birthday because it is without rank and it is with honor, and that's it. I like that. And Veterans Day is for everybody else. So my Veterans Day is always thinking about, I always get my veteran stroke on on uh, the Marine Corps birthday, and I always think about everybody else on Veterans Day. Thank you for putting up with us. Thank you for the thank yous. And I think all of us veterans need to be grateful. Because it was not so long ago when a veteran was spit upon. It was not so long ago when being a veteran was ugly. It was not so long ago you wouldn't put veteran stickers on your car lest some Berkeley-trained fucking hippie lib might uh, pop one of your tires. Um, if anybody in the building is listening, would you please send my mom into the office now, into my uh, room? I appreciate it. I think we're going to donate a little money here. And then I'm going to read a poem to you guys. Now, some of you have heard this before. Some of you have read it. Some of you have heard it recited in movies or plays. Um, I have found, for most people, iambic pentameter is uh, so unnatural that people don't enjoy it and they don't extract much from it, especially if they haven't read much Shakespeare lately. So I'm going to read to you a, uh, a speech, a soliloquy, if you will. I'm going to read this to you, and I'm going to explain it a little bit for some of you who are infantry guys or Marines or veterans or you haven't had your brain uh, doing push-ups lately. I'm going to explain it to you, and then I'm going to go back and read it kind of the way I read it and hear it in my head and bid you good day. First, my mom's joining us. Mom, come on in. What can I do for you? Come on over here. Thanks for waiting for me while I was gone. How, what was it like uh, what was it like having your kid disappear for uh, going off to a, a conflict talk, talk, talk give me a, give us a quick like I'm not over it yet um quite frankly it's the only time in my life I watched CNN I was in my jammies and slippers for months watching CNN and over and over the same words because I wanted to see your face. And then you would call me from a telephone booth in Riyadh or somewhere, and you'd say, what is going on, the overhead? And I said, oh, they started an invasion. He said, well, they don't tell us anything. And it was and it was all you could hear it in the background. And uh, It's been a long time. It's been a long time. Well, here we are. Thanks yes. for waiting for me. So, hey, would do me a favor. Would you, uh, could you take this form here? This is to the Semper Fi Fund. Now, you guys... If everyone wants to do something for veterans, here's what I would tell you to do. Don't shake their hands. Don't thank them. Um, donate money to take care of the, the those who are in the worst position. And uh, the Semper Fi Fund does a great job taking care. So but this you is, can thank them because it means an awful lot to Robert every time someone does. Does it? It drives me really batshit crazy. Uh, maybe so. But yeah, all right. Maybe if they're older. If they're older, they thank them, okay? From Vietnam, there was no thanks. So the, all right. So thank the Vietnam guys. The rest of us, uh, here we go. So uh, Semper Fi, America's Fund, would you do me a favor? Just would you make out a check for $1,000 to these guys and fill this out and bring it back to me, please? Sure. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks, Ma. <laughs> so right now, if you donate money to the Semper Fi Fund, um, and this is not always the case, 
um, the Bob and Renee Parsons Foundation. Bob Parsons is a local guy here in Arizona. I believe he was in the 5th Marines as well. He's a jarhead. Uh, he was one of the founders of GoDaddy. Um, he punched out of GoDaddy some years back, and he is a bit of a local legend here. He owns a bunch of motorcycle dealerships and lots of property, and he owns a Big Yam, uh, which is a marketing and advertising agency. He owns a bunch of little things. What you do when you have a billion dollars is you figure out what to do with it all. And he's put it all to work in his own community. And the, his wife is Renee. They have a foundation. And whatever money you donate to the Semper Fi Fund, they'll match it. So we're going to give them $1,000 right now. And uh, the, the up until December 31st, um, the Parsons Foundation will donate a equal th another $1,000 to match it. So it's a $2,000 gift. Um, I had some friends who uh, lost a... Uh, some limbs and said that the only organization that would work out flying their parents out from the Midwest, putting them up in a hotel while they were back pretty grievously wounded from war was a Semper Fi fund. And they took care of it. No questions asked, turnkey, totally set up, taken care of. Um, and so, uh, you know, no little, no little cool brands on t-shirts down at Dick's Sporting Goods. They're out there doing the work of taking care of soldiers, airmen, Marines, and Navy guys. Uh, so uh, that's that. And now let's get to our, this is my message to all of you veterans. So if you're not a veteran right now, you can step away from the TV or whatever you're watching this on, your phone, the iPad. Um, this is going to be a little bit of a, just wait, I'll read it at the end. This is from Henry V. This is the St. Crispin's Day speech. Many of you will be familiar as I hit it. What's he that wishes so? My cousin Westmoreland? No, my fair cousin. If we are marked to die, we are now to do our country loss. And if to live, the fewer the men, the greater share of honor. This whole soliloquy is about there's not enough of them. They're pretty sure they're all going to die. They're outnumbered, and there's no chance they're going to make it through the battle. They're going into a battle with no hope. And he says, no, the fewer the men, the better. The fewer the men, the greater the share of honor each man shall have. I, do, I don't want to share the honor with anyone else. God's will, I pray thee, wish not one man more. By Jove, I am not covetous of gold, nor I care who doth feed upon my cost. It yearns me not what men my garments wear. Such outward things dwell not in my desires. But if it is a sin to covet honor, I'm the most offending soul alive. He wants honor above all things, is what he's talking about. I've heard this discussion amongst pilots when we're flying. If you're getting ready to crash, make sure you sound like a man on the radio. The one time I crashed an airplane, I was embarrassed that my voice went up an octave on the radio. I conducted myself well on the radio, but my voice got a little higher, apparently. And uh, I did everything I was supposed to do, and I uh, ended up walking away from it unscathed. But... The thing I was, the, the airplane going down out in the desert didn't bother me. The engine blowing up didn't bother me. All, the risk to life didn't bother me. I'll tell you what bothered me. What bothered me was that I might have sounded like a pussy on the radio. But if it is a sin to covet honor, I'm the most offending soul alive. No, faith, my cuz, wish not a man from England God's peace. I would not lose so great an honor as one man more 
methinks would share from me. For the best of hope I have, oh, do not wish one more. No, we don't want anybody else. We have just enough. If we die, let's take all the honor. It's just ours. Now he was shoring up his men's spirits. Of course they would have wanted more men. But he said, well, if we're not going to get them, then I don't want a single more. The honor's all ours. What a great message about yielding to fate, about yielding to the moment, and about setting aside care of personal welfare for the greater good. Rather proclaim it, Westmoreland, through my host, that he which hath no stomach to this fight, let him depart, his passport shall be made, and crowns for convoy put into his purse. We're going to give him... uh, uh, we're going to give him a, a letter to let him go. Anybody who doesn't want to fight today, we're going to give you a letter. We're going to give you some money to get home. Um, good on you. We would not die in the company of that man that fears his fellowship to die with us. This day is called the Feast of Crispian. He that outlives this day and comes home and, and, and comes safe home will stand a tiptoe when the day is named. And for us veterans, that's Veterans Day. And rouse him at the name of Crispian. While he's sitting in your wheelchair and you're old, you'll bark to life and sit up a little straighter, a little more smile to your face. He that lived this day and see old age will yearly on the vigil feast his neighbors and say tomorrow is St. Crispin's Day. Tomorrow's Veterans Day. (laughs) I'm not going to work. (laughs) Then will he strip his sleeve and show his scars and say these wounds I had on Crispin's Day. He'll pull up his sleeves and show you his wounds. And how proud he is of his scars. And I pull up my right leg. I pull up my right pant leg. Old men forget, yet all shall be forgot. But he'll remember with advantages what feats he did that day. Then shall our names, familiar in his mouth as household words, Harry the King, Bedford, and Exeter, Okay. Ready to send out? Ready to send out. With the form? I'll send it with the form. Thanks, Mom. Mm. Love you. Glad you came back. (laughs) Me too. Uh, Be in their flowing cups freshly remembered. He's mentioning the characters of the play, obviously, from Henry V. This story shall teach the good man, teach his son. And Crispian Crispian shall ne'er go by. From this day to the end of the world, but we in it shall be remembered. He's basically saying, he's saying what Lee Army said in Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> you belong to the core, and even though you die, the core lives on, and in it you live on. <laughs> we few, we happy few, we merry band of brothers. For he today that sheds blood with me shall be my brother. Be he ne'er so vile. This day shall gentle his condition. No matter how awful you are, no matter how much I don't like you, it doesn't matter. You're cleansed today with our blood together. And gentlemen England, now abed, shall think themselves accursed they were not here and hold their manhoods cheap whilst any speak that fought with us on St. Crispin's Day. It's my favorite line in all of Shakespeare. And gentlemen in England, now abed, shall think themselves accursed they were not here, and hold their manhoods cheap, whilst any speak 
that fought with us on St. Crispin's Day, no matter their rank, be him general, president, senator. When he stands with us, he will think himself cheap for having not been here. Powerful words about folks who've been there. So for my veterans, let me see if I can read through this without tearing up and choking up. I might be able to make it. (laughs) Now, I just read through it, and I told you a little interpretation of it. And when I do this with my kids or with my friends, I know it sounds weird. I might actually do this with my friends, but I've done this before. It's profoundly different to hear a soliloquy in Shakespeare in Shakespearean English after you kind of know what it means. You know, we all know the Mary Band or, you know, uh, the Band of Brothers thing. We all know a couple of the lines from it. But to hear the whole thing, when you know the context and the undercurrent of it, they're getting ready to step into the breach, as so many have before. Well, really, as so few have. Every SEAL team has stepped into the breach outnumbered. Every special forces unit has stepped into the breach outnumbered. A great many infantry units have stepped into the breach as we get broken up and deployed in our various areas where we're outnumbered vastly and and have to execute a mission. And to be around men and women, apparently these days, who are so comfortable to jump into the breach, completely outnumbered, with no thought of self and only of committing their action with honor, no matter how the cards play out, It is why we remember these days every day, because it's the very best of humans when you see us act altruistically. And it may be, as you sit in your philosophy classes and you talk to your pastor on Sunday and have a Bible study, and uh, you you, you sit in your college courses and and you uh, think about philosophy, it may be there is no altruism. Maybe Mother Teresa, she just wanted to go to heaven. So selfishly, she sacrificed her whole life to be in God's good grace. Most of us, if you really look at it, we don't know if we've actually ever seen real altruism. A lot of times there's a selfish, it makes someone feel good to do it. Is that altruism? If they're stroking their amygdala by doing good, is that altruism? Or are they just getting off the way they get off? But I'll tell you what altruism is. When you tell somebody you don't know if you're going to live or die, but we have to go through this door and we know there are bad guys on the other side, you're first. You're second. You're third. Ready? Go. And you see a young person who's got half the time bad, most of the time, doesn't have great grammar, doesn't have great schooling, doesn't have a great pedigree, and they walk into the breach unquestioning. That's what Veterans Day is about to me. We talk about service because we don't want to dishonor the people who haven't done that. Service, of course. And there are many levels of service, of course. And the guys that I'm familiar with that went through doors, that kicked through doors, that do that job, can't do that without guidance, leadership, intel, motor T, air transport, fire supremacy, air cover, air superiority, the best Navy. We can't do all of those things without all of that stuff. But when it gets down to it, when you ask the airman why he's doing what he's doing, he's so, so my pilot can get to his target and do what needs to be done. 
You ask the seaman why he does what he does, and he says, so that our force is projected in this region and it keeps the fight from the homeland. You ask everyone at every level, they always bring the zeitgeist, the moment that is the reason, their raison d'etre, for what they do, and it is for that person kicking down the door. It is for that contact that is the last extension of our political will as a nation. They do it for that. And since I was out at that very little end there, not quite at the very tip, but pretty damn close, that's where I, I thank the veterans behind me that supported it all. I thank the families and the people who put up with it and the taxpayers who paid for it. I'm super grateful. Looking back, thank you for the great adventure. And I think about Henry V when I think about talking to my veterans. So this message from Shakespeare through me to you is for veterans, for his Veterans Day. And he called it St. Christmas Day in Henry V. What is he that wishes so? My cousin Westmoreland? No, my fair cousin. If we are marked to die, we are a now to do our country loss. And if to live, the fewer men, the greater the share of honor. God's will, I pray thee, we shall not one man more. By Jove, I'm not covetous of gold, nor care I, doth feed upon my cost. It yearns me not if men my garments wear, such outward things dwell not in my desires. But if it be a sin to covet honor, I'm the most offending soul alive. No faith, my cuz, wish not a man from England. God's peace, I would not lose so great an honor as one man more, methinks, would share from me the best hope I have. Oh, do not wish one more. Rather proclaim it, Westmoreland, through my host, that he which hath no stomach to this fight, let him depart. His passport should be made, crowns for Covey put in his purse. We would not die in this man's company that fears his fellowship to die with us. That fears his fellowship to die with us. This day is called the Feast of Crispian. He that outlives this day and comes safe home will stand tiptoed when this day is named and rouse him at the name of Crispian. He that shall live this day and see old age with yearly on the vigil feast his neighbors and say, tomorrow is St. Crispian. Then will he strip his sleeve and show his scars and say, these wounds I had on Crispian's day. Old men forget, yet all shall be forgot. But he'll remember with advantages what feats he did that day. Then show our names. I'm sorry. Then shall our names. Familiar in his mouth as household words. Harry the King, Bedford and Exeter, Warwick, Talbot, Salisbury and Gloucester. Be in their fellowship cups freshly remembered. This story shall the good men teach his son. And Crispin Crispian shall ne'er go by from this day to the ending of the world but we in it shall be remembered. We few, <laughs> we happy few, we band of brothers. For he today who sheds this blood with me shall be my brother, be he never so vile. This day shall gentle his condition. And gentlemen in England now abed shall think themselves accursed they were not here and hold their manhoods cheap whilst any speak that fought with us on St. Crispin's Day.